with my business, and I'm sure you feel this too, like my business is me. So if I'm not me and I'm not like the, the fullest, best version of myself, like then what the hell do I think I'm going to give to my clients? What do I think, what do I think I'm going to give to my family or to, or my loved ones or the people around me? Like if I'm not, you know, taken care of first. Colorado Springs is a vibrant community full of amazing people from business and entrepreneurship to arts and culture. It's truly the people of Colorado Springs that make this community so valuable. These are their stories. This is the Thrive for the Cause podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. John Stenberg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, so today I'm joined by Lauren McKenzie of Ren Creative and others. You've got a few other businesses, so... Uh, and, and just before we start recording, Lauren was asking me why I started this podcast. And the idea is that I meet people in Colorado Springs that do really interesting things. And I think that their stories are worth sharing. And uh, there's a there's a shared sense of community and culture in Colorado Springs. And people get excited, uh, especially in sort of the downtown core or in the young professional seat. I mean, however you want to qualify that. And so the idea was let's curate those stories. Let's put them out on a platform that's readily accessible to people in the community and outside the community so that we can share those stories and uh, what's great about Colorado Springs. So the way I got connected with Lauren in the first place was through the mini photo shoot, mini headshots photo shoot session. I saw her on Instagram, does really good work with one of her businesses uh, as a photographer. So I took her up on the offer, did a great job, and that's how we initially connected. And then I found out she does all kinds of other things. And one of my patients is a mutual friend. So there's a few of those little connections. And, uh, you know, I wanted to get, I don't know your story. I don't know anything about how you got into your businesses and what you're doing. So it'll be interesting for me to learn as we go too. But before we jump into all that, just introduce yourself, your business, your businesses, how long you've been in Colorado Springs, and just a little bit more about um, Lauren. Um, Hey, everyone. I'm Lauren. Uh, I own Ren Creative and Ren Creative Photo. Um, two kind of um, sister businesses. I I also have uh, Wild West Press Co., which is my um, kind of like my art baby on the side uh, where I do a lot of printmaking um, for fun. What other businesses do I own? Who knows? Um, but I think that's a good start. <laughs> um, I've been in the Springs now for seven years. Um, I moved. I'm originally from Southern California. Um, I grew up there. I, I moved at 15 um, when my parents decided it was way too expensive to live there anymore. Um, we moved to Arizona, so I went to high school um, just south of Phoenix. And then um, when I graduated high school, I decided, well, I'm ready for somewhere else. So I moved to Texas, and um, I lived in Texas for four years. I went to the University of Mary Hardin Baylor, although I don't tell a lot of people that. Um, and then I, after graduating from college, my husband at the time, no longer my husband, I was in the military and moved us here. So I have since stayed in Colorado Springs um, because I loved it, which honestly, it's it's kind of bizarre for me to think about because Arizona I did, I always say I did, I did hard time in the desert um, for four years, and then Texas I did four years, and then when I hit my four-year mark in Colorado Springs, I, I got this weird itch, like I was like, okay, uh, where are we going to go next? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't stay in places for very long, and um, but at my four-year mark here is when I really started to get to know a lot of people, get to know the community. I was getting connected into different groups and um, really trying, really just falling in love with the people and the community here. Um, and so I stayed, and now it's year seven. I just hit my seven-year anniversary last month, um, so I don't see myself going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I get, or at least for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because we've been here for about three years. And I think it's different when you, like I moved here to start my practice. So it's a very different perspective when you're a small business owner in a city than when you're just working a job or, you know, and so the community that you're talking about, there's this whole network of people that have, I guess, a shared experience that way or shared suffering of starting a business or doing a new thing. And so I think that's interesting how, I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. We've only been here for three years, but it feels like 10 just because the how dense that time's been and how much has gone on. And uh, I found it's been very welcoming. But I think the point to make is it does take time. I think that uh, 
anytime you come from the outside, and this where I grew up, I mean, it was a very small town, USA. Like, if you came from the outside, you never really broke in. But I think around here, that's not the case. But it does take a little bit of while, a little bit of time to kind of get the lay of land, understand the culture, integrate into it, see where you fit, who your people are, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think when I first moved here, um, I had a, it, it was a it was really hard at first because I had no job. I just finished college, and you you know when you're in college, you're completely surrounded by people all the time. You're always meeting people, and then it was kind of like my first thrust of being an adult, and like, oh, so I don't get to just like randomly be stuck with 30 people every day I have to go out and and actually network and meet people as like a grown-up this is really hard and and also to not have family not to have friends um not to have a job when I first moved here um and so fortunately I moved here and then had a job after three weeks so that was where my friend group started um but I I'm naturally I'm an extrovert if um you can't already tell um (laughs) by how I'm talking on the podcast um but I just started going to restaurants and bars or wherever and just sitting at the bar by myself. Um, my ex-husband was in the military, so he was gone um, all the time. So I kind of was by myself trying to figure out and navigate how to meet people in you know a new setting and a new place. And, and that's where it all started really was just getting to know you know wait staff or bartenders. And those became my friends, if I'm being entirely honest. Um, and you know then they would invite me to things and then I would meet 10 more people and, you know, find out where, what they do. And, and the craft beer scene was like really, really hot when I first got here. Um, and so like that was the first community I like thrust it into. But, uh, at that time I wasn't starting a business and I did have that decision to make. Like when I did hit, uh, would it have been my fifth, fifth, sixth, fifth year here is when I decided, well, like if I'm going to start a business, I should probably do it here because I've built this thing. I've built this community from nothing, like which is which is kind of really cool to see that I, I started here at literally ground zero. And, you know, do I want to start my business here? Well, hell yeah, the, the, the community is amazing. They all have my back. Um, you know, now that my friends, and actually I didn't even expect um, <laughs> seven years ago, making friends with all those people in all those different um, establishments, small-owned businesses, that one day that would be my clientele and that would be what started my business. I just, I had no idea that that, you know, fast forward seven years, that's what this is going to look like is now I've, I've built trust with all these people. They know who I am. They're like, oh yeah, Lauren, she's our regular. Yeah, she does graphic design or she designs websites or yeah, call Lauren. And then it was all of a sudden like people are calling me for help. And then now I've got this like weird niche of bars and restaurants that are my clients. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I mean, they're for my friends and my family. Um, and then they just so happen to be my clients. So <laughs> I can't move it now. I can't move it from Colorado because it's it's here, you know. Yeah, it's sort of in, it's just invested in the in the fabric of your of your business and, and what you're doing creatively. So I just want to make the point that for all our our baristas and our bartenders and our hospitality folks in Colorado Springs, that just goes to show that what you do is really important and it matters because the people that are in your cafe or your bar or your establishment, you never know, right? What path they're on, what journey they're on. And sometimes, because I've done the same thing, right? I didn't know anybody. You just go to a place where there's people around, you know, it just makes you feel more connected. So I know a lot of times those folks feel pretty uh, run down and sort of like unappreciated, but it matters. What you're doing is important. And I think that in a day and age where face-to-face interactions are not as, I don't know, not as common in the business space or they're super awkward or they're really you know, I don't know, really cheesy or corporate. I think that what you said is people want to be able to do business with somebody they know and like because it just makes the conversation start that much farther ahead. You don't have to go through all the hoops of trying to explain your values and that kind of thing. Um, so what about your business? When did you get into graphic design? Is that, have you always been creative? And, and what was the motivation for you to decide that I definitely want to go this route? I definitely want to invest my time, my energy, my money my life into building something brand new well i did go to school for um um, i guess not really graphic design um, but i do have a bfa in um, visual communications Um, and so i I was in school and found that um, creativity i guess was the route that i wanted to take for some reason i was always a creative um, child but um, 
I think in the household that I grew up in was kind of like, you, you know, you can't make a career out of that. You, it's going to be really hard. You're going to be a starving artist. And so that kind of negative, um, you know, connotation that came with art made me immediately when I went to college think, well, I have to get a, a degree in business or I have to get a degree in computer science, you know, because that's going to be legitimate. That's going to make me money one day. And, um, and then I'll, I'll never forget when I, I, I came back and I told my parents, like, I'm switching my major and I'm going to get a degree in art. And it was like, uh, okay, great. Well, we're not paying for that. <laughs> we're not going to pay for you to go to school to get a coloring degree. Um, and so I really had to push back and fight on all that. Like, you know, like this is, I feel so called to this. I feel so like there's, I mean, I wake up every day and I'm so excited. Um, this is what I want to do. I'll figure out how to monetize it. Like, don't, don't worry about me. I will make this into something. And so, um, when I moved here, you know, it was bright. I mean, I had finished school and then three months later moved out here. And so it was like hitting the ground running, applying for jobs, trying to find graphic design this and graphic design that. Um, and I found a job. And, and so I worked there for three years. Um, and it, it definitely was one of those like kick you in the ass moments of like, oh, I didn't know anything today. <laughs> uh, school taught me nothing. <laughs> I paid so much money and I'm in so much debt and I learned everything I know in my first job ever. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I learned a lot about being a graphic designer and, and I think it, it evolved from there because I, I have roots, um, taking photos. I've been taking photos since I was, um, 14. I started in the dark room. Um, and I, and I kind of, for whatever reason, um, thought, you know, that's not a career. And then it was right, like right when I was in college was when Pinterest was like the movement of Pinterest was becoming a huge thing. Instagram had started when I was in college. Um, Facebook had already been around. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like lifestyle photographers were everywhere. Um, and if there's anything that's, you know, telling about who I am, like I, I'm, I'm not a follower. I'm definitely a trendsetter. I'm definitely somewhere that's like, I want to lead and, and let everybody follow through. Um, and so when I kind of see, started seeing photographers becoming, you know, a big deal, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Uh, but you know what I don't see a lot of right now is, is graphic designers out there and, and figuring it out. And so I, I ran with that. I, I worked um, in my mind. I thought, you know, to be successful is to climb the corporate ladder, you know, to, to, to work for someone and then become a art director, become a CEO of the business at some point. And, and that was my, like my small pipeline vision of, of what I guess I thought I was going to do. Yeah. So I, I worked in the industry for five years. Um, and I think in that I learned a lot about, um, other people. I learned a lot about other business owners. And honestly, I would say I learned more of what not to do than what to do. And, uh, that was really, really hard for me. First of all, I'm, I'm not very good at keeping my mouth shut. Um, if I, if I have a problem with something or if I, or if I disagree or if I think that somebody's treating, been, been treated poorly, I will always speak up about it. But unfortunately, you know, you don't get to have opinions and then also have a um, nine to five job where you work for someone else. Uh, cause sometimes they don't like that. Most times, um, in my experience, cause I've been fired from a lot of jobs, they don't like that <laughs> when you tell them you don't like what they're doing and you think that, um, they're disrespectful to people and that they, you know, don't run their business with integrity. And so for me, I, I think it was that that was really driving me to find a bigger purpose or a bigger, there had to have been something else out there. Like, I just don't think that you have to run a business and then treat people like garbage. Like, I just don't think that that should be how it was. However, every job I had after that first job, so I had that job, then I worked for uh, the Independent, the newspaper in town. Um, I loved that job. Holy crap, that was the greatest way for me to meet so many people. Um, the Indie is just, is a great place to get you connected with community members, business owners, um, people, artists, writers, photographers. Um, I, I owe a lot of my connections to the indie. That was such a, a fun job for me. Um, and then it, it was like every job after that was just, uh, downhill. And, and, and I kept seeing that in, in other agency jobs where people, you know, do design or public relations or, or whatever the capacity was creatively. Um, it was just like, what? I don't understand. They're taking these small businesses and they're literally taking all of their money and not delivering anything. And then they're just, they don't really have real relationships. It's, it's like, 
uh, it just is, is fake and it's like a, a, a shady handshake. And I just didn't, I, I couldn't live with that. And a lot of my personality think I, um, too, is just, um, in, injustice is something that I have a huge problem with. Um, and so I never in my wildest dreams thought that one day I was going to be a business owner. Like I just didn't think that that was the way for me to be successful one day. Um, because I thought for whatever reason, you know, I can make way more money working for someone else's business, but I didn't understand that I also could not live with myself um, in, in those instances. So that's really why I decided to start my own business as I was, I decided, you know, these people are great. You know, the clients are great. The small businesses that need help are amazing. And why aren't we legitimately supporting them in a way that is going to make them successful? And so that's why I started Run Creative. I'm a huge fan of everything you said, because I don't know what it is about the time where we grew up, where it seemed like, like you said, the only avenue to be successful is be a lawyer, be a doctor, get a business job, like work a, you know, nine to five type situation, have a retirement, do the whole thing. And it's like most of the people that I know living that life are miserable, right? They don't really have a sense of purpose in it. They don't really feel that they're contributing anything meaningful to their fellow man. And it's not a good outlet for them to express their values and, you know, their passions and things like that. So I don't understand why that was, you know, that was the thrust for for our generation. But it's really cool to see that a lot of folks have been able to kind of see beyond that and make the hard decisions and, and some sacrifices to say that, you know, this is you only have one life to live. And I know it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. You're wasting time that you could be doing better, you know, for the world. And if you've got values like things that you want to see change in the world, you're just not going to do it on someone else's clock and someone else's dime and someone else's values unfortunately i think a lot of people don't necessarily have the you know the nerve to to go on their own and say that even though i feel this way i can do something about it you know i think a lot of folks don't feel like they're cut out for it i know that i, I used to feel the same way i never thought i would be doing you know running my own practice or having a small business or anything like that i never really thought that i had what it took you know you kind of think everybody else has that does that has something special about them it's just not the case. I mean, like you said in school, the same thing for us. I mean, I got a doctorate. There's not really much more education I can do in my field. But the thing is, they don't train you how to run a business. They don't teach you how to be a good person. You know, they don't really, they don't really even train you to, it's very technical education, right? It's, it's here's the steps to follow. Here's how to take care of patients, that sort of thing. But what I learned very early on in my own practice is when you're investing a lot of yourself into something and the opportunity to serve your fellow man because you've got values and you've got a vision, uh, it feels way different than working in a practice because I've done that. And um, I always tell my friends who work in, in jobs that they feel that way, they're working for someone else or something like that. And they pick my brain about starting a practice. They're like, I want to, I'm going to quit. I, I don't like how much money I'm making. I don't appreciate the way that I'm treated, this, that, and the other thing. And I always tell them, if you're ready to make less money and work and work way more, yeah, to do all the same stuff that you're annoyed with and then some uh, on top of all the liability, all the stress, all the hassle, if you're willing to do that so that you can express your values, your personal and professional values and, you know, serve the community in the way that you feel good about, then go for it. But if not, if you want to have a lifestyle practice, work a few days a week and then you travel, whatever, I mean, it's not going to happen on the short term. But I think the trade-off is invaluable. There's like, I don't know what else I would be doing with my life rather than what I'm doing. And I think that there aren't many people that can say that. So whatever scale you're at and whatever phase of that process you might be in, that's the whole thing, right? Like that's what people think the money is going to get them is that sense of freedom and that sense of value and the sense of purpose. So you just can't work around that and back into it in the traditional sort of avenue. So I'm glad you're not doing that. Yeah, and I, I feel like I was just having this, this conversation, I think actually with my therapist the other day, um, how I've gone through this weird evolution um, since starting my business. I'm in my second year right now, so I'm not fully to two years in business, full time at least. Um, but I, I was like, I, I feel like I have this sense of rebellion now that I don't work for someone else. Um, and it's, it's coming out in a lot of um, my fashion. It's coming out in a lot of, how I carry myself, uh, how I talk, um, and 
tattoos, piercings, like putting pink in my hair. Like there was this like weird, I hated the nine to five structure was like, you know, you've got to wear these black pumps and a black cardigan and you've got to have slacks and it's got to, you know, HR is here and she's going to keep an eye on your behavior and this and that. And it, they're all that, all of those things. And, and maybe it's not just for a creative person, but I being a creative person, um, that all stifles my creativity. That all stifles my ability to, to be free. And, and I know it seems like such a silly thing, but to be able to wake up every day and like, if I want to wear jeans with holes in them with like a, a, a graphic tee, you know, like an ACDC t-shirt and like bright red lipstick and tease my hair, then it's like, well, I'm going to freaking do it because I work for myself. So who cares? Or I'm going to get tattoos and no one's going to tell me I need to wear long sleeves. And so, I mean, it's like, yeah, the, sure. The, the freedoms in, in being a business owner may be small things that most people um, take advantage of, or I guess, or, or, or don't think about. But, but again, like what you were saying, I mean, they're, Really, those are my freedoms, but otherwise, like, I work twice as hard for definitely less. Um, I'm stressed out all the freaking time, but my goodness, making my clients happy or, or giving them something that alleviates them, um, and what they do on a daily basis, that's, that's all I need to, to make it through every single day. That's all I need to wake up every single day. Contribution is a human need. I feel like you need to, there's a, there's a part of all of us that wants to do something for somebody else, you know, to meet somebody else's need. If there's an intrinsic value in that, if you're the kind of person that has something to offer. And I, I was listening to another podcast, totally unrelated, but it was a, a guy in the fitness industry talking about his business that he's been running for the last 25 years or something like that. And um, a lot of these same types of things were coming up. And he said 90% of business is getting kicked in the nuts. And 10% of it is awesome. It's what you're talking about. It's like those amazing interactions that get you through the 90% of stuff. But I think expectations are everything. And if you kind of assume like I'm just going to you know, go my own way, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to have this awesome experience. And then you don't live that. It's not abnormal. You're just going through it. But at the same time, uh, you know, if you're not prepared for it, it's, it's a little bit much. But I'm curious because you're only, you said two years, almost two years into business. And it's evolved over time. That's definitely been my experience. I'm, I've been in business for over two and a half years. So just I started just before you. Um, and I have gone through so many different evolutions just as a person, my own development, you know, as the culture, the practice has evolved and all that sort of thing. Uh, what's Do you have in your mind a vision of a full scale like this is, you know, my dream business and uh, have an idea what that looks like? Um, wow, that's a tricky question. O- only because you make a good point with, um, you know, a business is constantly evolving. And, and me as a person, um, you know, looking back to 10 years ago or, or even further, um, but I, I constantly am refining myself. I'm constantly evolving who I am. You know, you grow, you adapt. Um, I, I don't know if maybe uh, necessarily everyone feels that, but, but I think my, um, I'm an ENFP if anybody cares about um, <laughs> uh, Myers-Briggs, but um, I'm I'm always looking for um, how to be more efficient, how to be more effective. And so that, and a, as a personal person, but then as a, as a business owner, um, I'm always refining what that looks like. Um, and so when I started the business, uh, it may have looked, you know, X, Y, Z. And, and two years now to where I'm at, it's, it might look totally different. So for me, I guess it's kind of hard to project, um, you know, what, where I want it to be. I feel like I'm in a good place now, but again, there's always things that I can be doing differently. Um, and right now I feel like, um, where I'm kind of stuck, um, is, you know, I know how to do my job and I'm sure you feel like this, uh, as a chiropractor as well, right? You, you, all, you literally only need your two hands. And and if you really boil it down to, you know, the basics, for me as a designer, I need a laptop, you know, as a photographer, okay, I need my camera, and I need a wireless connection. That's that's all I really need at the, at the bare minimum. Um, and everything else is just nice. Uh, it's nice to have. An office space is nice to have, you know, um, fancier equipment's nice to have, or, or X, Y, Z, but and when you boil it down, that's super cool to really think about that I don't need a lot to make this happen. Um, 
And I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> um, I think just that um, where where my business is now, it's it's working. But the hard part is, is yeah, I know how to do my trade. Um, but how learning how to be a business owner was something I learned on day one when I quit my job and I was out there and figuring it out. You know, the the reality is, no, I don't get to just do my job every day. I now get to learn how to do taxes and file, you know, certain things and, and save my receipts and learn uh, a, an invoicing bookkeeping system. Like, holy crap, I didn't realize that was that was like my hardest lesson in the first six months of, of going full time uh, self-employed was like, oh, shit, I'm literally I have no time to do my job because I'm using all of my time to run the business. I'm, you know, I'm business development. I'm writing proposals. I'm meeting with clients. Then I'm doing the work. Then I'm delivering the work. Then I'm, I'm, you know, signing contracts and writing contracts and, and working on reputation management and making sure my clients are happy and making sure, you know, my pipeline is filled so that, cool, I'm working on a project right now and, and maybe I've got my blinders on, but what happens when that project's over? Um, yeah, I have next month and I have to make money. Like what the heck? So that's been like the most challenging of all of this is that it's, it's, I don't just get to be a creative person. I don't just get to be a graphic designer or a photographer. It's like, no, now I have to figure out how to make this machine, make this into a well-oiled machine to where, you know, all of this is happening in a, in a fluid way to where I do still have that time to, um, you know, get to do my creative things. But I'm getting better. Year two, it's like uh, invoicing isn't even, you know, I can do it in my sleep. Um, following up on proposals and contracts, like it's all of those processes now that are what I'm having to spend all my time refining and developing so that hopefully year four, it's it's a breeze. I can I can hire someone because I've got the process into play. I can, you know, you know, onboard a client without even thinking twice about it because I have a, you know, foundation to like, run the business on. Um, so if, if I can fast forward to what I would hope for the business to be one day is, um, a well-oiled machine, (laughs) um, to where I don't have to work nearly as hard on running the business and I can use my energy to, to making my work and working in my business and, and getting to be with my clients, which is what I love to be doing. Um, and then also to be training interns and, and that's something that's really important for me um, is, is I don't feel like I had that in a lot of jobs. And so again, with like that whole injustice thing, you know, I'm going back and looking like, what could I, what did I really need as a, as a a 21 year old right out of college? Like I really needed a mentor. I really needed someone to sit down and be like, I'm not going to tell you, you know, here's your job description. I'm going to sit here and show you, Hey, here's real life. Like here's really how you need to learn how to apply these things. And I, I've already kind of done that with, um, some interns that have worked with me. My first question isn't like, what are you capable of? It's, um, okay, so I'm bringing you on. Do you know what being a contractor is? No. Okay, so whatever I pay you, 30% of that you put in a bank account and you don't spend it because you're going to owe it on taxes. Lesson number one, don't like go down the same path I went down and not understanding at the end of the year when you have to pay taxes, oh, crap, I owe the IRS all this money. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather bring people on and, and and teach them in a more like life practical like this is how you use these tools to get ahead kind of thing. So I was thinking that as you were talking a minute ago and I was going to bring up the point that you would be a great you would be a great person to work for because you've been on the other side of the fence and understand what it's like to work for someone who doesn't necessarily have that perspective and want to actually cultivate you and allow you to do the thing that you love, which is being creative. And that would be an awesome opportunity for someone like you or someone who's maybe just doesn't want to deal with all the hassle of going your own way. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't, I don't want it to sound like if you work a nine to five job or you're in a corporate setting and that's what you like, that's a bad thing. But it's not the only way, I guess, is the point we're making. And uh, the reality of what it takes to go the other way is some of the stuff that we're talking about. But I guess part of the motivation behind the question about the the vision and the scale of your business and what you kind of want it to move toward, there's a there's a million different styles of chiropractic and ways to practice. And when I look sort of across the landscape, the people that I want to emulate the most, or not even emulate, but uh, the principles that I see I want to move toward are my chiropractor, for example. He's like 70 years old in Denver. He's been practicing for 40 years. 
He's not interested in retiring. Like he still very much loves to be there with his patients. He's not worried about having the busiest, biggest, fanciest practice. He's not worried about opening multiple clinics and being an entrepreneur that way. Like he's just at his best and it gives him energy and, you know, feeds his life when he's just taking care of people. And that's that's kind of my my value too is you know, all the time that you spend on the business development, all that kind of stuff, that's just to give you the opportunity to do what you love. You know, and once you get that opportunity, it fuels you to do all the other stuff and you just kind of rinse and repeat. And as you go, I mean, I, I talk about this all the time with some of my friends in early in their practices. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. I think a lot of times, like as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, you want so badly to do it your way that you do all the same mistakes that everybody else did. Uh, and that, that's been my that's been my experience, at least. But, you know, I've grown and learned a lot through that. So you mentioned mentors and that sort of thing. Do you have folks that you turn to, whether it's for business development kind of stuff, whether it's creatively, people that you kind of look up to and really respect their opinion. So I guess I would say there's like two tiers to that. The short answer is yes. <laughs> uh, the long answer is sort of. Um, short answer, locally, I mean, I have some uh, a really, really good community of, of friends, of of women and men um, that that are more than happy to kind of share their experiences. and, and um, but, but something that I really uh, align a lot with um, as far as a mentor is someone that's been in the trenches. Um, it, it's hard for me to, you know, really, I guess, connect with someone at a higher level or maybe a further level if, if they've never really been an entrepreneur because there is a difference in being an entrepreneur or, or working for, you know, an organization. Um, and, and again, like what you said, one is not better than the other. You know, one does not make more sense than the other. Um, and actually, it's it's a successful business thrives off of having those two types of people um, because you, you can always, and I think that that's why I've been fired from so many jobs, this is a sidebar conversation, is that because I am like innately an entrepreneur and employers can recognize that because you, there's pushback, right? There's always, you're always trying to do something you're not following very well <laughs> and I don't follow very well, but people who do follow well make great employees. Um but I think for me, um, as far as mentors, I, I have some really close friends of mine. Um, I have other um, friends out there with uh, owning businesses. But I guess on a on a bigger scale, um, there I'm really connected for whatever reason to um, Sophia Amoruso, who is the founder of Girl Boss, um, who was the original founder of Nasty Gal Clothing. Um, and I just, I loved, she came out with a Netflix series. I mean, she was very hot to trot, like in, in the public eye there for a while. Um, but her story started from like, she literally just was thrifting clothes, um, selling them on eBay, made it into this business, branded it. Um, it became this humongous, a business of hers. Um, and then it got to the point, um, where she actually lost her ass on the whole thing. Um, and, and I think had to file bankruptcy. Um, and then sold, I, I, I could, don't fact check me on this or fact check me on it or do, um, but I think had to sell it to Wal. I think Walmart owns now Nasty Gal. Um, but she had, so her story of just like starting from the bottom and, and her story also too was getting fired from a lot of freaking jobs. Um, and I remember reading her book and just going, ugh, ugh, I feel all of this. I feel all of this. She didn't come from a, you know, uh, a financially stable family or upbringing or anything like that. And she kind of self-made herself, but then rose to fame and lost her freaking ass on it. And so like, that's the other thing too, is that like, you're riding this roller coaster and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she lost all of it and you're like, ugh. And so like to watch and now what she's done with that. Um, and she, she owns that as part of her story. Um, now she is branding girl boss itself. And, and to see that kind of evolve. And, and I'm not sure whether I'm fully 100% with the vision for it, but now she's branded Girl Boss as a, as a, a mentality, as a state of mind, as an empowering women to be a boss and to be this and, and to grow this and to network and connect with other women. And so I love that she's taken all of the crap that life sent to her in, the, in that process. And now it's evolved into this Girl Boss community. Um, and so I guess, um, if, if I did have to really peg, um, you know, what success looks like for me, it's, it's doing what I love, getting to love what I do, um, every day, but also getting to foster and grow 
the young creative minds like myself because I did feel like I didn't have any of that for a really long time. And that sucks to not have that mentor, to have to go through it and go through all the hard and the crap and the lows and the highs by yourself. And so I'm like, oh, let me be there for the next the next girl. You know, let me be there. Let me like stop where you are. Let me just tell you how this is going to pan out <laughs> or give you some scenarios of how it possibly could pan out and and hopefully guide you in, in a different direction. And while also allowing you know, younger women and, and, and men alike. I don't really, um, I'm not sexist. I don't think that I want my business to only be women, but, um, I do have a, a, a stronger connection there. Um, but I, you know, just to be able to give you, give them the freedom to, um, express themselves in making things and, and understanding too that, yeah, you can, you can do this and, and make a life out of, um, what you love to do and being creative or not being creative. Um, people, we need process people too. <laughs> we need, I need left brain people in my business. Like you wouldn't believe. Um, but I, hopefully I didn't tiptoe around your question, but yes, I, I have mentors. I honestly, I wish I had more. I do wish I had, um, more people that I could, I could trust that are at an elevated phase, you know, like that have already been 12 years ahead of me. Um, in the process. Um, so, Hey, if you're one of those, call me cause I need you help me. <laughs> Yeah, I've always had a hard time with that too. I've I've always kind of been a lone wolf type of person where, you know, even if I have someone that will do what you said, which is kind of lay out the path and the possible scenarios, I, for whatever reason, kind of think I know better. I'm going to do, do it my way anyway. Yeah, so like I still probably wouldn't follow that advice. I've always had a hard time with mentorship because I think that a lot of the way that people talk about mentorship and that type of thing is more about making a clone of, of themselves. Right, like just reproduce me because I'm so amazing and successful. You can just be me and it'll be great. And that's like that totally is you know, goes against my grain. So uh that's why I ask because for me it's a moving target. You know, I have people that are influential in my life, but in terms of who I want to be, I can't you know, I can't really peg anybody that you know, that kind of embodies all those different values, which is why I'm doing this, you know, is why I'm not just working for someone else. You mentioned, you know, you're passionate about women in the creative space and just, I guess, in business in general. Is there anything else in particular that you're that you're super passionate about and that you would want to continue to support or to create awareness about with your business? And as you're thinking about that, let me give you an example. Um, I think that a lot of folks, a lot of millennials, for example, have they have things they're passionate about, you know, in the social justice space. And it takes money to be able to really support those endeavors and have them be successful and be efficient and be viable, really. And so so one of the ways that I've, you know, set up in my business is that I donate monthly to support CASA, the Public Speak region. They just court appointed special advocates. They help kids in our community have an advocate, have a mentor, have someone who's going to be on their side as they navigate either the foster care system or these types of things. Uh, my sisters adopted a little boy we've seen the the ugly and the good in that world and so i think that within a community that was really important to me to be able to support that mission and i tell my patients about it. i tell them that it's actually you're the ones that are supporting that endeavor because you choose to do business here is there something like that is there something you know that you're that you're super passionate about a nonprofit or a cause that you'd love to support or love folks to be aware of uh now you're gonna make me cry because um, I had to really think about that uh, there for a second. Um, yes, there there is. Um, I would say too, um, it's been uh, a little bit of a journey, um, but yes, um, in short, um, mental health is is something that to me is is so important that I've learned in the last couple years, and and not something that um, I was raised really with an awareness of, um, or or I wasn't really raised with understanding what mental health was and and how to care for that um and in in the first three months of starting my business my uh my boyfriend at the time committed suicide and so i have like this huge um space i guess uh within me that i have for mental health and um being proactive about that um Am I am I in a place yet where I can make that the front line for um, what I'm passionate about or or putting money towards or volunteering for? I'm not there yet in my in my own uh, mental 
stage of where I'm at. Uh, I can't be an advocate for it yet. Um, I am in, in, in some ways, um, I'm very open, uh, and, and I try to remain very open about, um, my own journey through being in therapy and, and talking about things and, and, um, being open about that is, is kind of a way that I'm being an advocate, I guess. Um, but on a larger scale, eventually, yes, I would, I would love to, um, to really work with, uh, NAMI is, is one that's local, the, um, uh, the organization, I don't know what it stands for, I can't remember, National Awareness of Mental Illness, I think, um, but they have a lot of programs for suicide prevention um, for um, women who have been through traumatic situations. Um, I also have a, a, a huge place in my heart for Tessa um, as well. Uh, they're local, um, and they help uh, victims of domestic violence, and so um, those are all very special to me. Uh, I would love to see myself doing more work with that in the future um, when I can get through talking about it without crying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in short, that has a huge place in my heart. Um, also puppies. I love dogs. I love dog rescues. I love people who rescue dogs and foster dogs. Um, I recently did do some pro bono work for um, One Dog at a Time Colorado. Um, Cody Rilo, that, uh, that's not really her last name, but she owns the Burrowing Owl. Um, she is an amazing human being and loves animals like you wouldn't believe. I've never met someone more than myself, uh, that loves animals. And so I was super happy when she decided to start her dog rescue. And so I was able to do the branding for it, create the logos, um, take some photos for it to raise money for them, um, because they just, they, they do such amazing things with dogs. Um, and so... Yeah, I love all the puppies, all the things, animal. <laughs> it's a nice segue to kind of bring the bring it back up, but yeah, I did a I did an episode with um, James Garofalo and Kayla Engel from Viewpoint Psychotherapy Services, and we talked about mental health and how, I mean, their their practice is veteran owned. You know, they have a heart for serving that population. Uh, James says, you know, he's a veteran. He's been overseas. They, he's lived on that side of uh, the fence, and so. We talked a lot about the stigma of mental health. And like you said, even even 10 years ago, this is one of the kind of thing that people talked about. They dealt with it. Everybody deals with it on some level. But it wasn't as, you know, there wasn't as much awareness. So I think that that's a, I love to see that in the health space and just even in the entrepreneurial space, more people talking about that stuff. Because you can't be a complete person without addressing that area of your health. And I've, I've had this experience dealing with patients where, with their physical body and their physical expression of health, there are certain things that I can't get through if they have that going on and they need, you know, some support in other areas. So it's something that I've learned a lot more about just with chronic pain patients and things like that. And, uh, you know, I love that every time I have someone on the show and they talk about their experience with that, I think it's really encouraging because people need to understand that um, it's not a vulnerability. It's not a weakness. It's a part of being a person. It's a part of living a life and having experiences. Uh, I'm going to link in the show notes uh, to Nami and Tessa just so that folks can get a little bit more information about their mission and exactly what they're doing. And, and for the record, not every organization does everything perfectly, and that's okay, right? Like we still need to make sure that um, we're providing support and we're, we're elevating these types of services in our community because it does, it does matter. And I think it's too easy to nitpick on some details, but with that sort of thing, you have to, at some point, refill your cup. You know, I, it's it's kind of a funny terminology, but it's something that I used to think was kind of, I don't know, was kind of flaky. You know, this self-care type of mentality where it was like, you need to, you know, you need to pour into yourself so that you can serve others. I never really understood or appreciated that until I was in a position that you're expending so much energy in what you're doing that you really get to a point where if you don't take a step back and do some things for yourself, you're actually not going to be able to serve. So is there, you mentioned therapy and we talked a little bit about that, but what other ways do you keep yourself excited and keep yourself going? I know that just the passion of the work is enough a lot of times, but there are those times where, you know, the passion of the work's not enough to just keep pushing you through. So what are the types of things that you do to kind of build yourself up, to fill yourself up so that you can just kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other. Without talking too much about um, childhood upbringing, but the, there is a point that I would like to make about, um, like I, I feel like I'm I'm now undoing a lot of uh, behaviors or things that I maybe learned 
um, as a as a kid that maybe were not correct or not healthy. I mean, a lot of that was like work and work and work and work and work and work and then relax. And then, you know, you know, work your ass off and then one day you'll have this life that you can retire for, you know? And, and, and I think that ge- it's a generational thing for sure. Um, whereas I, I don't necessarily look at my life and go like, I'm doing this so that I can have a retirement one day. Like I will probably never stop working. Never. And I'm okay with that. I mean, a- as long as my mind is there, as long as my hands are there, as long as I can put out good work, I'll never stop working. Um, but I have had to really teach myself how to uh, practice self-care um, because I didn't really, I don't, I don't feel like that was something that was um, ingrained in me. Um, it was definitely something that I had to teach myself um, through the years. And it, you know, it looks different for everyone. Um, definitely there's, I do think that everyone has their own recipe for what, um, what fills their cup or, or what feels like self-care. And for me, um, it, it, it is a recipe. It's a myriad of, of a handful of different things. Um, that one therapy is the hugest thing, the hugest, hugest, hugest thing for me, um, that, that helps me set myself and, and reset myself, um, and, and balance myself and make sure that I know that not totally losing my mind. Um, but, uh, it, it boils down to a scene. I see my hairstylist regularly now. Um, whereas before it was like maybe once a year, maybe, you know, maybe only went, tw- you know, once every two years, but now I go regularly. I get my nails done, um, every four weeks. It seems like such a silly thing, but, uh, for me, it's, I'm taking care of myself. Um, I, I, it's treating myself. I, I, I have a hard time. Don't get me wrong. I have a hard time spending money to see my therapist or my, <laughs> to see my hairdresser all the time, to see my nail stylist all the time, to, um, get a m- regular massages, to get regular chiropractic. Um, I do, and I'm not even just like tooting your horn. Um, I get so stressed out that my ribs pop out of place. And so like, I have to have this like, um, and then I know I'm like, okay, my ribs are probably popped out of place because I'm stressed and I haven't been to therapy and I probably should go get a massage. And I should get an adjustment most likely. And it's, those are all kind of like reminders of like, okay, let's like slow it down real quick. Like your body obviously is not allowing us to be as productive as I want it to be. So, um, it's, it's a combination of a bunch of different things, but I feel so much more like full when I am doing all those things for myself. Um, and then also just reading books. Um, I have to be careful sometimes that I'm always reading like business books or how to be a better, this or how to be a better that and I recently just picked up like a novel like <laughs> reading just to freaking read and it's been so great and I I have that's been a reminder to me like okay so we don't always have to be reading to refine ourselves or to fix ourselves or to do something better like let's just read a book you know like just for your brain you know <laughs> so yeah I I do all of those things um consistently to help me from, from losing it and from losing sight of, um, you know, me, I don't want to lose sight of me because with my business, and I'm sure you feel this too, like my business is me. So if I'm not me and I'm not like the, the fullest, best version of myself, like then what the hell do I think I'm going to give to my clients? What do I think? What do I think I'm going to give to my family or to, or my loved ones or the people around me? Like if I'm not, you know, taken care of first. Um, my therapist actually described it in a really good way. Um, let's see if I can figure out what she said. So it's not, you're not selfish and you're not selfless. You are, um, you are a whole self. Um, so being, treating yourself and doing things for yourself isn't selfish. Um, feeling like you're doing things for other people. Sure. It's selfless. Um, but there's a place in the middle and that's where we should all live. And it's, and it's just being our whole selves and, and taking care of you first. I think, uh, I think a lot of us are doing what you said and it's not, it's just the, it's just the process of developing as a person, right? You come to any situation in life with your experiences, with the, the world that you grew up in, the worldview, the whatever family situation, all those types of things, you for better or worse, that's your context for life. And to evolve and to grow as a person, I think a lot of us have to continually revisit that stuff because as you go through different seasons of life, it looks way different. Now you've got to go and, and reprocess it and kind of figure out exactly where that fits into your, you know, into your life at the time. And um, 
I think the idea of a whole self is, I love that. And I think that for me, just hearing you describe that, that makes a lot of sense, but I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's really hard for me to define right now. So I think, um, I've always had trouble with the word balance. You know, people talk about work-life balance and all that kind of thing. I don't know that it exists. If it does exist, it has to happen on a, over the course of a life. You know, it doesn't happen in short seasons. I don't think that in a week you have balance or in a day you have balance. And there's never a 50-50, you know, expenditure versus investment and that kind of thing. But uh, I love that concept and I definitely want to dwell on that a little bit and figure out, you know, how to apply that to my situation. That's So I appreciate you bringing that up and sharing that experience from your from your therapy. Um, we can start to wrap up. I appreciate everything that we've talked about. We could probably go on a few different rabbit trails with some of these topics. Um, but I want to respect your time and I appreciate that you made uh, the investment of your time to share with our audience and with Colorado Springs community a little bit about your life and your business and your values and your perspective and all that kind of thing. I think it's super valuable. But I'd like to get an idea of your Colorado Springs experience. I, I've come to learn that when you say the Colorado Springs community, that means different things to different people. So I'm curious what uh, what your Colorado Springs is. What's your favorite establishment, uh, place that you like to go, maybe a favorite client that you like to shout out that people should definitely check out? Um, oh, man, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> I have so many places I love. Um, again, when I first moved here, um, I had a lot of opinions. People, you know, have this, I guess, like, oh, I, Colorado Springs is really conservative, right? I've heard it. It's it's this or it's that. And, and so I, I showed up here with a really bad taste in my mouth. Um, coming from the Bible Belt, um, I, you know, I, I have a little bit of evangelical PTSD. Um, and so, you know, I was kind of like, ah, you know, all right, Colorado Springs is going to be this. And, and quite honestly, it is not that I don't, I don't feel that maybe there's pockets. Um, but like, like everywhere in, in different places, you know, that you're going to have this side of town may have this vibe or they, this side of town may have that vibe. And I do love that about Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs is huge, really. Like in the grand scheme of things, this is a big ass town. Um, but the West side has different feels, you know, the North side has different feels and different places to go. Downtown has a vibe, you know, the East side has a vibe down South has a vibe. And so I kind of love that. It's almost like for, Oh, what mood am I in today? You know, where am I going to go today? Um, but I will say that ingrained in me, um, and, and I don't, I don't think we'll ever change. Um, I always support local. I always support, um, family owned, independently owned anything, businesses, restaurants, bars, um, shops. And so that is something that I love about Colorado Springs is that they really do, um, make this a good place to, to be that, to, to have an independent business. So, um, some of my favorites, I have a handful, um, streetcar 520 is one of my favorite places to go for lunch. Um, they have an awesome menu. I don't eat gluten, so it's really, really accessible for um, people with dietary restrictions. Um, the owner literally will come to your table and she will give you a hug and welcome you and, and serve you your food. Like she has no problem washing a dish or cleaning the toilets herself, you know, not in, you know, right after giving you a dish or right before. <laughs> Don't get that wrong. Um, I love Streetcar 520. Um, Stir is one of my favorite, um, neighborhood bars, restaurants. Um, I love going there, um, in the evenings. I love going there for coffee in the mornings. Um, they also have some, um, really health forward, uh, food that I love to eat. The owner's amazing. Amber's awesome. Um, cork and cask is one of my favorite cocktail places. Same with shame and regret. Um, love those as cocktail bars. Um, let's see where else, ah, I can go on and on and on. I love all the food. Oh, food trucks. Um, I actually haven't had it yet, but it's in my mind every single day. And so I, I don't know if like, don't, don't take this the wrong way that I haven't eaten it. It's just that I can never catch them. But slowdowns, Texas Creole. I am. I did live in Texas for a while, and every time I see his food posted, I'm like, oh, I need to go. Where is he? Crap, he's on the north side of town. Like I can't make that happen. But um, he's amazing. Axe in the Oak Distillery, Distillery Two Nine One are some of my favorite places to go to. Um, I do love a good cocktail, so that is why I list a lot of places to drink. I don't drink beer anymore because I I can't have gluten. But FH Beer Works. Uh, make some phenomenal gluten-free beers um, that are easy on my stomach and make me, you know, get that little taste of nostalgia from all the years that I did drink beer. So they are some of my favorite people. They owned, opened a second um, location on the east side, and they still have one downtown. 
Um, so yeah, they're, they're super great people, amazing owners, um, all of those places. So that's, that's a handful of my faves. I would say I could go on and on forever because I love food and I love drink and I love coffee. So (laughs) I'll stop there. I like that you called it a big town, not a small city, because I think there's a distinction and it feels way different when it's got that sort of town vibe. And that's I think that uh, all those places you mentioned, then a million others. I mean, we could go on and on. Um, I've never had anybody on the show that when I asked them what their favorite Colorado Springs establishment was, they said, like, you know, the Starbucks on Centennial Boulevard, yeah, or like Applebee's over yeah. by First and Main. So I think that, that that just proves the the point that, you know, it's always something different, but there's there's something for everybody, and I think that's an underrated part of the city is how vibrant of a hospitality culture there is, and it's, it's the kind of place, like you said, where I don't want to say the barrier to entry is low, but if you do want to kind of go your own way, I think the community is super supportive of new upstarts and people that want to do something unique. So it's a, I think it's a unique community in that aspect that it's a little bit more friendly to doing what you said, which is just go your own way. Um, what do you think the most underrated part of living in Colorado Springs is? And you can include maybe doing business in Colorado Springs. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the underrated thing, I just, I hate how we've always get gotten um, compared to Denver. Like, it's like, oh, you live in Colorado Springs. Like, why don't you live in Denver? And it's like, well, have you ever been here? Like... So, so you're, you know, people are running with this idea of that we are a conservative place. And so that's a, a, a reason to not come. I don't know. It just seems silly to me. Um, I've seen more churches, more mega churches in, in Denver than I have down here. But sidebar to that is, uh, I think something that people don't expect is how many good places there are to eat, drink, play, do all the things. Um, we are, hello, closer to the mountains than Denver is. So FYI, put that in your back pocket. Um, like we have Cheyenne Canyon is amazing. It's so beautiful. Um, uh, Red Rocks open space. There's so many places to hike. Take your dog. Um, Abby, I love dogs. Um, we're really people friendly and we don't have a pit bull ban. Hey, Denver, what's up with that? Um, but really, like I do think that, um, just the, the community and the, and the eating and drinking and the, you know, whatever scene is, um, is definitely underrated. Uh, and I, and I feel like more tourists or more people from Denver should come down here for sure. Um, and, and give us a little bit of respect, man. (laughs) And, and my, I agree wholeheartedly. And I hope that as Colorado Springs continues to grow and develop, we, we retain that because I think it's easy to grow beyond that sort of thing and get, you know, because it attracts larger corporations and these kinds of things. So I hope that we can always maintain that, uh, The small town feel, for sure. I think that's, it's rich. You know, it's not the kind of thing. I lived in Atlanta for four years and it's like, I don't feel connected at all to that place. There's maybe one or two places that I liked to go, but I don't miss anything about it. And uh, it just doesn't, it just doesn't draw you in that way. Last thing I want to, uh, I'll make sure to link all this stuff, but where can the Colorado Springs community connect with you, get a taste of your work, see some of um, your creative out there and, you know, just kind of follow your journey. Um, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, I have a ton of handles. Are you ready for it? Um, at Ren Creative. So I don't spell it with an E at the end of creative. So R-E-N-C-R-E-A-T-I-V. I know. Don't put that extra E in there. So stupid. I don't know why I did that. It's, it's a pain. Um, at Ren Creative Photo um, is where you can find my lifestyle photography. Um, at Wild West Press Co. is where you can find my printmaking. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah. Or www.com, www.rencreative.com. No E at the end. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Lauren. I appreciate it. I'll make sure all that stuff is linked. So it's, it's all in one place so that people can figure out what's going on with you. But last thing, do you have any last words of encouragement or, you know, words that you live by mantras, things like that, that you would want to gift the audience? First of all, thank you so much for having me on here. This is super awesome. I, I loved, um, that you have this, um, podcast going and and specifically to Colorado Springs people so awesome thank you for that um and I guess really mantras I don't know if I have mantras um fake it till you make it is one of my favorite things um you know like figure it out along the way a lot of life is sure maybe I don't know that but I'm gonna figure it out you know like and and so for the time being fake it figure it out and then once you make it you make it and and then you know pass on the wealth to everybody else um, and, and, and also just kind of, um, 
don't give a crap what everybody else is doing. Like, um, I think I kind of identify with you being like a lone wolf in that state, you know, in that sense of, you know, do your thing, do it, do it your way. You know, don't worry about what everybody else is doing, you know, kind of keep an eye on everybody else just to make sure. Um, but yeah, do your thing, own it, um, be your own true self and, and, and be true to that forever and everything that you do. Thank you so much for your time and attention on this episode of the Thrive for the Cause podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share it with a friend and subscribe for more episodes in the future. I want to leave you with a quote by Dr. BJ Palmer. You never know how far reaching something you do say or think today can affect the lives of millions tomorrow. I want you to know that you matter to Colorado Springs, so get out there and thrive for the cause.